of the Brunner Bugle, your one-stop shop for all things Carl United. From Mark Bridge-Wilkinson to Paul Baker and Matt Glennon to Joe Garner, we've got it covered. In today's episode, we're going to be trying to find something interesting to talk about from a very dour end of the season clash against Walsall. Uh, discussing United's retain list and, uh, and look at all the other news and around what X-Blue has been getting up to, as well as our own awards for the end of the season. I'm joined on this episode by both my co-hosts, that's Dan McLennan and Mike Booth. How's it going, lads? Not bad. Yeah, it's, we're in that void now, aren't we, where it's going to be Saturday and like you don't know what to do with your life, but, you know. Hey, I, I didn't really know what to do with my life last Saturday watching that. God, after me and Dan predicted, what was it, 4-0 and 5-0 or something like that? <laughs> it just, he was absolutely nailed on to be a nil-nil draw, wasn't it? Yeah. Do you know what the link is with the four players at the start, Dan? I think is did they all have two spells with us? Yes, you're correct there. Oh, mm. In fact, technically, Garner had three, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah. had the uh, the loan spell from yeah. Blackburn the first time. Then he signed permanently that summer, and then obviously came back with his loan spell from um, was it Watford when he came on loan to us? I can't I think remember. It was. Was, I think he got to Watford by then, hadn't he? Possibly, mm. not hundred percent. But there you go. So, um, so yeah, let's get straight into the show. What we're going to do today is we're going to change it around a little bit. We're going to go to review the uh, Walsall game first because there is so little to talk about it. And then we're going to get onto the news because that's when we'll cover the retained list, which obviously came out earlier today. We're recording it uh, in the evening after that. Um, so, yeah, Carl United nil, Walsall nil. Uh, a dreadful contest to end the campaign for United as they played out a nil-nil draw with the Saddlers at Brunton Park. Fair to say that flip-flops were very much on for both sides in this one. Pretty symptomatic of United's failure to make the playoffs this campaign. It was the sixth draw in the last eight games, three of which have been goalless. That lack of colour instinct means the Blues finish on seven points adrift of seventh place. A lot of room for improvement next season. I mean, there's not much to talk about in this game, lads. Is there really in terms of gaming? It was well, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at the stats that we've uh, got on our script and I'll sum the game up reading them. Between the two teams, there was five shots on target, three corners and no yellow cards. It was essentially a training match. I, mean, I think that you're being generous calling it a training match. <laughs> yeah. I think it's fair to say, Danny. I mean, we had a few decent chances. They keep made a few good saves. I mean, there was I think it was Armour had a, a really good header when he sneaked yeah, in the back yeah. post. I mean, Anderton mm. got a header on a corner and Torre was played through. And actually, I think they keep made a really good save because he was falling down to his wrong side there. But... Yeah, it just the the lack of bookings for either side tells you all you need to know about the intensity. The the ref could have given a booking right at the end, couldn't he? But you could see he's thinking himself, ah, sod the paperwork for this. Like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. not, a, not a chance I'm doing. I mean, it wasn't a good watch, was it, Mike? No, uh, I'm amazed that we've managed to last this long talking about it. To be honest, because just 
there really is nothing to say. It was, I mean, because if we're to do the awards later and have worst game of the season, I think <laughs> you know this this would be up there, a very late contender into the mix. But absolutely, God. absolutely. Um, I mean, do you reckon if any fans have actually if fans have been allowed into this game? How many do you reckon would have been left? Let's say it's a crowd of about 4,000 you get for an end-of-season game like this. How many do you reckon would have been left by the final whistle? About 2,000. If, if you're lucky, I think. It's <laughs> yeah. fair to say. I, think, I think most would have gone. There wouldn't have been many left for the players coming back out for a, you know, the little um, lap of the pitch they do. Yeah. The end of the game. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the little lap of the pitch they do. People, Some people were suggesting, weren't they, going down to the ground to applaud the players for their efforts this season. But I think the players need to applaud us for some of the performances that we've had to watch because in the second half of the season at the very least yeah, yeah. you know it's not been good not been I mean, pleasant one thing we can't talk about is the, the team selection so the team that Beach put out you'd argue injuries taken into account other than Alessandro Fatura that's probably the strongest team you could have picked isn't it I would say yeah pretty much mm. we knew at this point that we could only finish 10th we we would have needed a ridiculous gold swing to finish in ninth place. We were well clear of in, in we were in eleventh. So uh, it really frustrates me. I know I saw him made some comments after the game how we wanted to be the top home scorers in the division, stuff like that. Or we wanted to get another clean sheet on the board. I, I just felt, I came away from this just feeling a bit frustrated that he didn't change things up a little bit and give a few players a run out. I, I don't know what your thoughts on this one were, Dan. Uh, well, we know Chris Beach is a creature of habit. He <laughs> he doesn't. He's very much. If it's not broken, don't try and fix it. It would it would be. It's probably you know you know you see all and, these. And if it uh, is broken, don't try and fix it either. But, you know. Yeah, you know you know you see all these living rooms where if is it love laugh live and that Chris <laughs> Beach has. If it's not broken, don't fix it somewhere in his office or something, you know. But like David Brent style motivational posts. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, he had always sort of said, "I know we're coming on to the retained list soon," but he'd sort of said pre-match at ninety-nine percent he wanted to keep, etc. But would it would it have hurt to give maybe a Walker Walker a start and Scott a start? You know, as a yeah. as a thank you, even. Yeah, it's one of. That. I mean. I, I... The only reason I can think of is maybe he wanted to give Coyote a chance to get to double figures up front as a striker. Um, Mellish to get another couple more goals, maybe to push him really up in the goal scoring charts. But then to get to get to double figures, you'd, you'd have had to try though. Oh, well, he, <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. He didn't have the he did not have the greatest game. I think it's no. fair to say in this one. He wasn't alone. I'm, I'm not singling no, him out to be no, fair. Absolutely not. I mean, there's, there's a fair few out there. Who, Treading water, to say the least, I think it's fair to say in this game. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel it would have been a nice game to see a Charters, to see a Dixon and, and players like that. So I, I know in defence, he, his hand was you know forced on that one, wasn't it? Because especially the injury to Aaron Hayden for the game. And actually, he was getting a little bit stick, I think, from, from James Phillips on Radio Coming. That I thought Rob McDonald didn't have a bad game in this one. Considering he'd come in, you know, probably with not much training under his belt, to start the game and actually when he wasn't expected to start I thought he had a decent 90 minutes in this match but you know, mm-hmm. again I'd say against a, a poor poor um, Walsall side they, they did mm-hmm. not look much cop at all I think it's fair to say um, but yeah I, I, I just didn't get the point of going with the strong side again I think he could have freshened up and 
you know, even later on, could he throw in Luis Bellon as well, maybe? Give him a little run out? I, I don't know what his fitness level is like. He, obviously, he might not have done the full war, but he might have just been thrown on there just for the sake of it, just in case they did need desperately to bring an attacker on later on in the game. But but yeah, it just it just felt... I just but, felt a bit flat after it. I know that Scott, obviously, I think he played the most minutes that he's played for us all season. But like, and then I know we're getting onto the retained and released list in a bit, but he sort of said that we're going to have another look at him in pre-season, but you had a game to have a look at him and you didn't yeah. want him. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. It's a difficult one. We'll cover that when we talk about the retained list in a mm. short while. But but yeah, it's one of those ones. Isn't it? I, I, just before we go on, Dan, I've got to say, my brother will be absolutely loving the fact that you gave a shout-out to Live, Laugh, Love, because it's one of his absolute <laughs> pet hates. And he listens to this and he'll, he'll be absolutely he'll be punching whatever's nearby. He'll be that... Annoyed about hearing that phrase. Before we move on talking about the Warsaw game, because like I said, there isn't really much to talk about it. Uh, let's just talk about some of the things that Chris Beach said after the game. Um, I mean, I've picked out a few of the comments from his post-match interview. Um, he said he he was honest enough to admit that he had an end-of-season feel to it, but then why not make subs a little bit earlier to freshen it up? I mean, he, he didn't bring Charles and Dixon until about, was it 12 minutes to go, something like that, I think it was, 15 minutes to go? Could he have brought them on with half an hour to go instead and just said, look, you know, go out and give it, have half an hour run out and see how things go? Yeah, I'm, uh, I think they came on, was it 79th, 80th minute? Yeah. Which, you know, especially with the way the game was, you know, it was quite a relaxed game. Would there have been any harm in bringing them on at the same time as Scott? I mean, we, we, we brought Alessandro on for two there. No disrespect to Alessandro, we know what he can do. Yeah, exactly. You know? And, and you know what, to be fair, I thought Charters looked live and I thought Dixon actually probably looked our biggest threat when he came on. I think he put one ball into the box, probably the only ball that was put into the box in the second half. And also, you've got to remember, Dixon was playing on the left wing effectively and he's not a left winger. He's a central midfielder and he actually adapted pretty well, I thought, in the short space of time that he was on the pitch. And he looked a bit more like he was doing a bit more of that closing down that Beach has been asking him to do as well. So I, hope, I, I really hope for next season he comes back and he... And he, his fitness levels are at the right stage and he can have a real good go because I genuinely think he could be a really big play for us if yeah. he can stay fit. Also, uh, just going back to Scott, the mention of Scott, I thought Scott had quite a few nice touches, but mm. he had sod all service. Yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. there was nothing coming through. And, and he's, he's making nice little runs as well. I was just going to say, he was making mm. his runs and when he did have a ball, it wasn't too, you know, he looked neat, but... Yeah, never mind. it was a tough one, wasn't it? Um... On to the next comment. This, I think this is the one that's wound a few people up and it it wound me up a little bit, but I think it's more the wording of it that's the issue. Beach said, we've got to celebrate what we've achieved because in theory it shouldn't really happen. Sometimes that's difficult to hear from a Carlos perspective because our fans think we are the best club in the world because they love the club. I mean, he's, he's rambling on a bit there, but um, he said, if you look at it with logic and understanding, we've done very well. Of course I'm disappointed because we wanted to try and touch something Think at the end of the season, but I think the players have learned a lot in that time. Right? Don't dispute about the learning lot stuff and things, but whatever the circumstances, I just can't see how we can be celebrating finishing tenth place in no. League Two. No. We've been at this position for too long now, and I, 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 I know there's mitigating circumstances in the second half season. We've been quite supportive of the team in terms of, and we? we've always said, look, it's clearly had some effect. But I still think the amount of drop-off shouldn't be excused. I think there should be a little bit of soul-searching is the wrong phrase, but you know, a little bit of reflection on that and saying, yes, it has badly affected us. Yes, it's been a tough schedule. 
But should we have dropped off as much as we have done? Maybe not. Maybe we mm. should have been actually a little bit closer and we should have been going into that last game well, in contact you, you, for seventh. You look at the uh, the last last six seasons, 10th, 6th, 10th, 11th. Uh, I can't remember what we finished last year in the end. 19th, something like that, 18th. Uh, yeah, which doesn't really count because obviously it no, was cut short. And then 10th again. So we are the epitome of a mid-table League 2 club at present. Yeah. It, it, I just... My, my feeling is... This one, one, one you can answer there, Mike. Be, are Beach and the club being a bit too accepting of the second half of the season drop-off, do you think? Lummy, Lummy talked about this quite eloquently, I think, on the radio. and he, he did say he'd spoken to people involved on the medical side and they said, look, while some of the players did have it bad, not all of them did and the levels maybe shouldn't have dropped off that far. Yeah, he didn't so much say that, but he his feeling was that maybe the levels shouldn't have dropped as far as they did. I feel, I feel it's like multiple things, isn't it? I feel like physically the players were knackered the first few games, but because we then hadn't won in a while, I think their heads had gone on. I think after a while it became more of a psychological thing than a than a physical thing point, for yeah. us. Yeah, and because and you saw it in a lot, a lot of them games through that run, once we went a goal down, the players' heads just dropped like straight away, and it, you know it's just awful to watch. But I don't buy the whole, you know, oh we're doing well on our money and all the rest of it. You know, Accrington Stanley are a solid League One club now. Morecambe could potentially be joining them in League One next season, so well, there's no reason why we can't be up there. I mean, Aki are finishing their highest position since they've been reformed as a club this season. Mm. And I've just seen today, this afternoon, they've just signed Harry Pell, who's released by Colchester. I mean, he's a player I wouldn't have mind. And he's an absolute, he's an absolute god but They've I wouldn't moved have quick him. there, haven't they? But really? Mm. I mean, I, there must have been talk, must know, have, yeah, yeah. talks going on. and But, you know, it, like I said, he's an absolute god but I'd, I'd have him at Carl United because of the kind of player he is. And he's the kind of player, actually, during that bad spell, might have been useful to have... Because I think that's one thing we lacked a bit of a character. I was just going to say, we miss a gob. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and they're the sort of players that you hate them when they play against you, but you love them when they play for you. I mean, <laughs> he, he wasn't a gob, but Joe Garner is a classic example. When he plays for you, you absolutely love him. Yeah. When he plays against you, you're like, bloody hell, he's, he's, a, he's a git, isn't he? Yeah, exactly mm. that. And I, I do wonder, because what a mate of mine did say this, that are those players that common these days? Probably not as common as they used to be, maybe. Back if you go back to like like Lummy's day, like in the 05, 06 to like 07, 08 period, you had a lot of players like that at that level, didn't you? You were just, just nasty little shits. Well, well, there's, 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 much now. well, there's players like that that you don't get as much now, but there's other players, you know, like we've mentioned before, you sort of Tom Cowan, Kevin Henderson, Kev Gray professional type players that I also don't think exist anymore and I think we needed a few of them and you know I'm, I'm looking forward to next season if we you know we retain most of the squad if we can add a couple of sort of season pros into the mix to just give us that little bit of grit when things aren't going so well you know we could well have a good season yeah well I think we've pretty much rounded up the Walsall game there's not a huge amount else to talk about there so what we'll do is we'll move on to the news before we do the retain list we'll go through the other little bits of news first um, first, I mean, it's just a few little small bits, isn't it? So first up, there's a new sponsor being announced for the back of the shorts for next season. So uh, the club have teamed up with a local company, Kitchen Rebels, who are based in Willow Home, 
Uh, they, I think they've been providing the club with some healthy sort of recovery meals, haven't they, this season, I think, for after games and stuff. Yeah. I saw Jakey Blaine commenting on Twitter about saying how they've been really great and, you know, obviously that's stepped up that partnership and now they're going to be the name on the back of the shorts. It's one of the areas that the club hasn't actually made much advantage of that space in the last few seasons, have they really? That on the back of the shirt, obviously, previously they've had like World Group and uh, scores on the back of there. We've got to drop World Group in, haven't we, just for, for our old <laughs> mate Matt. Um, but yeah, the back of the shorts one, I think they've had one a couple of seasons ago, didn't they? But I think they only did it like halfway through the season. And Stubart used to be on the shorts at one time. Yeah, I think that was part mm. of their deal. But I think there was another, mm. some of a company, I, I, I can't for the life remember who it was. That, that tells you all you need to know, really, because it was yeah, only yeah. done halfway <laughs> through the season. So getting someone like that sorted early, hopefully this is a sign that things like that are going to be really ramped up next season because people have commented, haven't they, about the the I follow coverage this season, how all the other clubs have had all their different sponsors <laughs> listed on there. What have we had? We've we, had we, Ed- Blue Star and Edinburgh Woolen Mill. And one of them's gone bust. So yeah. <laughs> that's all you need to know. And, and the Carlisle United Twitter account, don't forget. Yeah, that, 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 that says it all. So it looks like that side of things maybe is improving, which is a, a really good sign, actually. Um, Next up, bit of recognition again for groundsman Dave Mitchell. So uh, we've been commenting on the pitch probably hasn't been quite as good as it has been in previous seasons, but compared against every other pitch I've seen, it's still remarkably one of the best in the division, isn't it? And Dave's been recognising the EFL Grounds Teams of the Year awards. Um, him and his team have been highly commended for League Two alongside Cheltenham Town. The winners from our division were Forest Green Rovers, and from what I remember, their pitch is pretty decent, so... You know, fair play to them, and they. You, you, put... You're not going to see Newport at the top of this list, are you? <laughs> no time soon. I think it's fair to say on that one. Um, yeah, and the final little bit before we get onto the retain list is the the, the fans forum has been announced. So we sort of hinted about this last week, didn't we, Dan? And um, yeah, it's been confirmed. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to go through this one because you, you're leading on it, aren't you? Yeah, uh, basically, uh, the club have to have uh, basically an owners fans forum to meet EFL requirements. Obviously, it's been a bit difficult this year with the whole pandemic. And uh, what they're doing is they are going to all the top table will be in the sunset suite as normal. The club will be showing it on their various platforms. And there's three of us who are involved with uh, Cali United supporters groups who are collating and asking the fans questions on their behalfs uh, i did i've seen a couple of people say why can't fans attend because it's after the big monday at the moment there is no operator for the bars so there is no drink in the club there's probably not even a license holder at the moment so and the capacity would be limited as well this this gives yeah, you know, yeah. the easiest way of doing it yeah really, isn't it? i mean and a, a couple of caveats will chuck in i mean I'm I'm sort of responsible for making sure all the questions are put into order. There is no way that the top table can see them before, yeah. unless they come and kidnap me the night before, basically. <laughs> and you're locking uh, Steve Pat's cupboard for the night. St- maybe. St- Steve Pat pulling up in a Carlisle glass van it ain't, ain't happening. Eh? Bundling you into it. Yeah, but uh, no, I mean we've had we've had quite a, a good spread of questions in so far. I've just started uh, sort of putting them together and whatnot and uh not has been a good response so looking forward to it and one one other thing any questions that don't get done on the night we've been told will be answered uh afterwards so i think what you're going to try to do are you, you questions that are on a very similar topic or more or less the same question you'll ask them all you'll say 
these people have asked this question. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just to make sure the cup of You know, if four, four different people all ask about iFollow, which has happened, they'll sort of be grouped together into a series of questions yeah. on the subject of iFollow. And so we're not going... Whereas if the floor was open, you know, people can go back half an hour later and re, sort of revisit... It, it's one of those frustrating things sometimes about the actual forums when you when people are there is the amount of fans who will ask exactly the same question <laughs> someone's asked 20 minutes earlier and you're sitting there thinking to yourself for god's sake someone's lit you're wasting an opportunity here so hopefully this will help sort that in one sense and, and actually. my my favorite at the uh the owner's one is you'll have a really complex 10 minute talk mm. from the top table about you know you know how they want to progress the club and then John John from Harabi, next question. What flavour soup are you getting next season? <laughs> well, when, when are you tarmacking the path that isn't actually on your land? <laughs> but uh, but has had hardcore put down on it now anyway, and is exactly. a lot better. Exactly. Wasn't the one in uh, John Courtney's first ever like fans forum after the takeover and all that, and like, so many questions to be asked, and the first question was, why don't you do the kids' shorts in a medium? <laughs> like that. I remember that. <laughs> Amazing. What a football club we are. Um, yeah, so if you want to get your questions for that, send them into hello at cusg.org.uk. That's the right address, isn't it, Dan? I think. I think so, yeah. I can't remember off the top yeah. of my head. If you can't find it, go to the official website. The article's yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's, on, it's all on the official website. Yeah. And uh, anonymous questions won't be put forward. You have to put your name to it. That's the I, I, w- I will add that that is a club caveat and nothing to do with ourselves. Yeah. I, but I, I sort of. Uh, I agree with that. I mean, just just put your name's Dave or something like that if you're really that bothered. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, okay. Well, let's get to the retainers. This is the bit we've been waiting for. So um, it's taken a while, guys, but the club have finally published a retainers for the 2021 season. I think the reason this has been published today and it has never been published because I'm pretty sure all the clubs who aren't involved in the playoffs had to give their list to the EFL by tomorrow, didn't they, I think? So Correct. that's one of the reasons, yeah. Correct. So, uh, as you mentioned before, Beach has hinted that he wanted to keep 99% of the squad and he's been true to his word. The only two first-teamers that have been released beyond the five first-year pros who were let go a couple of weeks ago are Dean Furman, sorry, Dan, sorry sorry for that one, and uh, Kedwin Scott. Although Scott has been offered the opportunity to come back in pre-season and potentially earn himself a deal. Um on top of that, the players who obviously previously had option uh, options activated on their clauses were Riley Armour, Dixon, Charters, Guy, Alessandro and Hayden. They were already been extended for next season. Uh, Beach has also decided, maybe a little bit surprisingly, to give Gimme Toure a second season and activating his extension on his contract. Uh, new deals have been offered by the club to Amari Patrick, Paul Farman, Morgan Feeney, Ofrande Zanzala, Reese Bennett and Nick Anderton. Now, before we get into sort of discussing some of the merits of it, me and you, Dan, have heard sort of whispers that Feeney and Zanzala have more or less been agreed, haven't we? Well, I, right. I think Zanzala sort of gave the game away <laughs> when he, uh, he he did his little video for, was it, the London brand champagne moment of the season. And yeah. He said he was looking forward to doing the same next season or something like that. So. He was wasn't very coy about it, was he? So that no, good no. news. Of, hopefully, if he signed up because he's he's looked really promising as he's got his fitness up, and I think with a full preseason behind him, I think he could be a really good player at this level. Yeah, player. I mean, you, you you look at his, his. I've got the stats in front of me. I'm organised today. He, he made 15 starts, seven from the bench, scored five goals. You could basically. Forget the seven sub starts, and it's five and fifteen pretty much because yeah. once he did score, 
he played every game pretty much. It's Mark Ellis esque, that isn't it? <laughs> yeah, more, <laughs> more or, or that. later. Yeah, exactly. exactly but it, it's, it's worth noting as well. I mean, you know, people are saying that we need a proven goal scorer and all that, but a lot of our sort of twenty plus goals a season men in the past, they haven't been proven goal scorers before, before they've done it with us. Well, Do you know Paul, what I mean? So Paul Mullins a perfect example of exactly. He, the most yeah. he managed in a season before this season was nine, nine yeah. goals, and he's got thirty-two this season. You will yeah. not find many players remain in League Two if they're scoring twenty a season. Owen Doyle's yeah, an exactly. exception, but he's an unusual one, isn't he? He's, he yeah, has to just yeah. moved from between a few clubs, and he's had big moves up the leagues as well, hasn't he? He's, he just doesn't seem to ever quite do it League One level. It's a strange mm. one. Um, so yeah, I mean, first up, Dan, do you think we signed too many up? Do you think maybe? bit too we've sort of said this before are they a bit too accepting of that drop off second half season do you almost think I know it's not the way you sort of do but do you think he maybe could have sent a message of you know the standards got to be high next season if he'd let a couple more go possibly it's it's a tough one the way he judges it but for me there's maybe a couple of players in there who've been a little bit lucky to stay if everybody signs their contract they've been offered we will have a squad of 22 players before signing a single player. Not much wiggle room there, is there? No. I mean, that, you... that, that, that's obviously, that includes Lewis Bell and Keelan Leslie, who were first-year pros officially. And Charters and Dixon, who were... Well, Charters and Dixon. I mean, Dixon's a third-year pro. He'll be a third-year pro now, yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, arguably, you could still say... Effectively, a first-year pro because he's because of his injuries, really hasn't had a chance to yeah. get going yet, has he? Um, yeah, I mean that, that if everyone signed, we're not suggesting they are because we, I think the two that are probably less likely are probably Farman and Bennett. I would suggest. Mm. I mean, Far, Farman did put a tweet out on Monday asking if anyone knows anyone who makes show reels. He did delete it, but as ever, the uh, the foot soldiers of the Blue Army don't miss a trick, and it was screenshotted and shared about. What I would say about that is, we've had a couple of players in recent scenes who've said the same thing or done the same thing, and they've stayed. So I would not always read too much into that. It could be a bargaining they, tool. They, mm. A bargaining tool, and it might just be a case if he just wants to show off all his nice moments. From this maybe, season. Mm. maybe. I'm sure he won't show his moment from the Leighton Orient home game, but yeah, yeah. let's uh, <laughs> move on from that one. Um yeah, I, I, I think. Sorry, I think you can, you can split the six offers into three groups of two. There's Farman and Bennett, who I think it's fair to say fifty-fifty. Yeah. There's Feeney and Zenzala, who we are hearing whispers are likely staying, and then probably the two that have created the most discussion are probably Anderton and Patrick, because they had sort of indifferent campaigns. Well, the one that stands out for Patrick is he had a trigger clause in his contract. He had an option extension, I presume, in the club's favour. Now, I heard whispers that that had to be activated before the Leighton Orient game a couple of weeks ago. I think it's one of those ones where it has to... Because sometimes what they do, the players put it in, and what they say is it's got to be activated at least before the the penultimate game of the season. Yeah. And that's done to put pressure on the club to say, well, we'll make a decision now, yeah, yeah. we're going to keep you. Mm. And they hadn't done that. And that might be why they've gone and said, right, well, rather than trigger, he might say, well, actually, I want a contract offer, please. Mm. And they maybe they might, club might just want to get him tied down on like a two-year deal. I know they could have done that with Guy and Hayden, but maybe Guy and Hayden sort of indicated, we're going to keep our options open, you know, maybe because then they've had great seasons, so they might get offers from other clubs. So it might be that Patrick's said, well, actually, I'm open to 
a longer deal. Let's let's discuss it, and they may be offered it, and he might you might find Tuesday morning next week we announce Patrick signs a new two year deal or something like that. You, you never know. Mm. I, I think I think Patrick showed enough in the first half of the season to to earn a deal. He's still a bit hit and miss. I think he's sometimes a confidence player and. I think when the crowds are in, he's a player who does well. It's, it's noticeable. His best spell probably came in that period when those four home games where I, I fans don't were think allowed. I don't think people realise he'll be twenty five in two weeks' time. Yeah, but he, he, he's come up through a different way, hasn't he? Was at Kidderminster. Yeah, a little, a little bit. But he? if he is wanting a longer deal at that sort of age, you've got to prove you're worth it. So I've, I'm, I'm not slagging him off, but I think he's got to go and. Sure, he was right to get this off or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, it might. Be, if that makes sense, it might be one of those ones where he, he takes a slightly lower basic wage with some better bonuses in there on a two-year deal. To say right, well, that, I'm yes, more secure. Yeah. That's mm. sometimes it, it, there's bargaining that happens either way. People got to understand the way these things work. It's not a simple. You either offer him a one-year deal on the money or two-year deal on the money. There's quite often the couple say, "Well, we're giving you a bit more security here." So. Rod McDonald, for example, he he might have taken a slightly lower wage to take a two-year deal with no option. Yeah, I'm secure for two years. Whereas someone else might have said, "Well, actually, I'll take a, a higher wage, but the incentive's there for me to actually try and earn it." The, an the, the two the two-year deal was probably quite sensible given what's gone on. Yeah, because he's he's had a hit and miss season at times. To be fair, Rod McDonald. Mm. So you know the the way it is, isn't it? I think I think Amari's done enough to to, to show he's worthy of a deal. I think. Like I said, for me, his best spell came in that spell where fans were in the grounds. I think his confidence was really high in those those four mm. games. And you think back, I mean, Bolton game, he absolutely terrorised Santos in that game. More on him later when we do the awards. <laughs> um, you know, against Mansfield, he scores a brilliant goal, doesn't he? And, and he had a great game against Stevenage too, I seem to remember. So he's one of those ones maybe he picks up from that. Anderton's the one I'm, I'm, I'm very on the fence about this one. Because I don't think he's a particularly bad player, Nick Anderton. But what I'd say is now, for me, Jack Armour's your first choice left back now. I think yeah. he's earned the right to say he's that. Obviously, start of a new season, the slate's wiped clean, isn't it? Players have got a chance to show that they're worthy of it. But for me, he's a young lad, up and coming. I think we should be looking to tie him down on a longer deal, hopefully soon. Can we afford to have someone on Nick Anderton's potentially, I'd, I'd imagine, fairly decent wage to be a backup? Left back and a fifth choice centre back potentially. Well, I was half pondering if he was brought in on a first choice left back wage, and maybe now he's been offered a second choice left back wage. I mean, that would maybe make more sense because it might be one of those ones we've offered him a two year deal on a lower wage, saying there's his security, but you've to, to basically to get to your wage where it was. You've got to be mm. starting games, basically, and earning yeah. right in the team. Maybe. I mean, the, the thing with me, and quite a lot of players, to be honest, um, is like when we have trialists in pre-season, there's the ones who, right, he's not good enough, he can go. There's the ones who, oh, yeah, maybe give him a one-year deal. And then there's the other ones who are like, sign him up right now. And I feel like we've had quite a few players this season that are in that, yeah, give him a year kind of category. And, you know, not enough in the sign him up right now category. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You've just given me a great idea for a pre-season special there, Mike, by the way. <laughs> the we'll, all, we'll all pick our 11 of trialists we never signed. <laughs> oh, my word. That, well, we, I think we struggle for all three of us to do one. I think maybe we yeah. do a combined one. We, we discuss it on an episode. Yeah. That would be a good one. Um, let's move on from those couple ones in there. Let, let, well, um, we, we both sort of then agree, sort of Paul Farman, maybe 
because of that tweet, maybe that's possible side. But I'd like to see him stay. I think I think he's been excellent. To be fair, one thing we didn't mention on the Walsall thing that he got his fifteenth clean sheet of the season, which means yeah. he's now, in terms of the number of clean sheets over a season, he's the best keeper we've had since Kieran Westwood in oh seven oh eight. So mm. fantastic achievement to do that, especially with the the dodgy spell we had. You know that period after the COVID break you think if we kept a couple more clean sheets there, he'd be right up there, wouldn't he? So Yeah. Although I, I said the other day with Farman, he, he said some stuff in the media sort of over the past few months really about how it's been good for him being closer to his family and stuff and how before he even signed for Carlisle, he was always like watching out for our, our results and stuff like that, which David Holdsworth might read as, oh, I can get away with offering him 100 quid a week or something. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know, we'll, uh, we'll see. Because I think when he was brought in, he was brought in as like a sort of, tussle for the number one jersey and I think now he's well he should have nailed on that jersey but the whole Norman playing at the end of the season was that a oh well if you're not going to sign a contract we're going to play Norman thing I don't know yeah I'm I'm still not Norman looks okay as a keeper but I'm I'm not coming to he's quite at the level that Farman's at yet and Farman's a little bit eccentric so he sometimes has those moments where he does something daft but generally are you the Orion game yeah, the Orient game. And I think yeah. there was one against Harrogate, wasn't it, as well? Where yeah. he, he just, I don't know what he was doing for their, their goal. Um, but he, he yeah. talks a lot, doesn't he? I mean, I, yeah. I, I, for the few games that we were in this season, I was uh, relocated into the Warwick. And one thing I noticed straight away was he doesn't shut up. Yeah. He just chatters, 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 you know. Mm. Which I, I think we're quite a quiet team, which mm. we've already mentioned regarding leaders and experienced heads yeah so you know it's hopefully he stays i'd like to see him stay i would as well um before we move on to talking about gimme because that's going to be an interesting discussion i think reese bennett do you reckon he'll stay 50 50 it really is i I agree i don't i mean i've heard a lot of people say i'll go i'm not so sure i think you might look and because the thing is his second half of the season stop start with the injury but he didn't look that great after the COVID break. He struggled a little bit. I'd imagine we've made him a very good offer because he, he he will be one of our best players if he does stay. I don't want us to break the bag to keep him, as good as he is. I don't think it's, it's worth the risk of doing that. But we've seen some some of the players that clubs are letting go. There's not necessarily going to be big money out there today. We've said about the financial side of things. We're no. in an okay position. We, we're probably okay to offer the sort of wages on, standard on, where we are, aren't we? On the plus side... We give him a deal when nobody else did. True. And we we know he gets on well with Chris Beach. Yeah. So that's plus sides. The minus is, will he be thinking, well, with all these clubs releasing all these players, I should be going back to League One? Possibly. That, that might be the way he looks at it. He might be thinking to himself, I can get a deal in League One on a similar wage. Maybe I've proved myself to earn a better wage at that League One club potentially to stay there longer. Yeah. I don't know what you think on all this, Mike. Yeah, you know, like you say, he hasn't been. I mean, I think if scouts were watching him in the second half of the season, they wouldn't be best pleased. But he's got enough of a reputation in the game yeah. for that to not really impact yeah, him too much, hasn't he? So, and he's also got the excuse—not that it's an excuse—but if if clubs do say, "Well, you did tail off at Carlisle," yeah, COVID wrecked us. Yeah, you mm-hmm. say that guy. And and I had a couple of knocks because I was playing because other lads weren't fit and that, you know. Yeah, exactly mm. that. I mean, it'll be interesting. I'd, I'd love to see him stay as well because I think he'd be a really good influence on someone like Morgan Feeney because 
we've not seen him play, but we heard he played well in that reserve cup game. And all I've heard from people down here at Everton fans who've watched the under twenty threes now is that he's a really good player, and it's only injuries that have caused him problems. And if you can keep him fit. He won't stay at this level very long, essentially, is what they were saying. So I remember hearing that about Danny Cadamartri when he signed her. Whatever happened to him? I think he was a little <laughs> bit more past it by then, I think it's fair yeah. to say. But um, um, again, though, a fit Danny Cadamartri would have been nowhere near us. Oh, yeah, of course yeah, he exactly. wouldn't. Of course he wouldn't, but there you go. Um, let's move on then to Gibby Torrey. It, it's an interesting, wasn't it? Because I absolutely loved him first half of the season. I thought he looked a brilliant player. And he got his red card against Exeter. And he did a little bit okay when he came back. But he, he never quite recovered. And I think... I know he's... He, over the Christmas period, and he, he looked like he was struggling a bit, maybe. Mentally is probably the wrong word. But, you know, he was getting him a bit down, I think, the fact that he was on his own. And you couldn't really mix with people, could you? And stuff like that. And I think that affected him. And I think... Beach has made some interesting comments today about the fact that he feels he's a player who really thrives off a crowd because he's a player that the crowds love, aren't they? When he gets on the ball mm-hmm. and he takes players on, people get excited. That South End game that me and you went to, Dan, at the start of the season, when he got the ball, people were excited, weren't they? Because he was just having a go at players. Yeah, and I don't yeah. think he quite had the same confidence second half season. So it's one of those ones, based on performances, you probably would have just let him go. But Beats clearly sees something and clearly thinks, you know what, let's have another go at this and let's see if we can really get the best out of a, a player of his, his Yeah, chance. I mean, like, it could be different with fans in, you know, and would I have been disappointed if he went? No. But sort of clean slate, he gets a chance again and if he isn't producing it, he'll probably get loaned out and moved on in January. Yeah, it's one of those ones, isn't it? He'll probably be given his chance to, to maybe get a move to a National League side and kickstart his career there it, if it doesn't it, work he's, out. He's one of them, though. I think, you know, like Dan says, I wouldn't have been like too disappointed if he had been released. But I think if he'd been released and signed for another League 2 team, when they came against us, I'd be pretty scared every time we got got on the ball. Do you know what I mean? Like Because he is one of them players who's always a threat. And obviously, Beats is more of him in training. And I think it's just about getting that out of him yeah. more. It's one of those ones, isn't it? The amount of times in the games behind closed doors where he was cutting inside and getting the ball and, and then he'd pay a pass and you think to yourself, there's a crowd there. That crowd's going, go on, go on. Mm. And he has a shot, doesn't he? And mm. that's the difference. We weren't seeing that because he didn't have the crowd encouraging him as much. So, yeah, I sort of agree. I probably wouldn't have been overly disappointed if he'd gone. But at the same time, I, I am quite pleased for him that he's got his another year and a chance to show what he can do for us in a, in a, in a weird way roundabout. I'm just looking at I'm just looking at our squad and regarding sort of we're going to play four three three again. Yeah, we're, we're pretty yeah. much covered. If Patrick signs his deal, we're pretty much covered uh, out wide because we'll have Dickinson, Patrick, Toure, and Lewis Bell. I mean, Bell's an interesting one because he's one they clearly think a lot of because he's got a two year deal rather than a you know a one year deal. How much is he going to be involved? And he, and he, he's still got to fully recover from COVID by all accounts as well, hasn't he? So it's, whether, whether you can include him in the same. I think it's fair to say we're in the market for strikers this summer. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. We'll be looking to get a couple of strikers and at the very least and maybe another wide player. I, I, I don't think we'll get that many in. I don't. Well, I, I, think, I, think, I think what we're going to do, we've got to use the money well. We could potentially yeah. get a couple of really good players in. That, that's the way I look at yeah. it. We haven't freed up a ton in wages, have we, from... No. 
releasing, you know, Furman and, and Scott. So it'll yeah. be interesting. And we'll talk about the two release now then, actually. It's good, good segue into that one there, Mike. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I mean, Furman's probably has freed up a little bit of a wage, though, because I don't imagine he'd be cheap. I don't imagine he'd be mm. hugely expensive as you'd normally expect for a player of his quality. But... It's just been a bit unlucky, hasn't he? I'm gonna let Dan answer this one because he's he's the D- Dean Furman fan club. But I think he's just been a bit unlucky that Callum Guy's been so exceptional, and that really is the role he probably would have played in the team, isn't it? Yeah, Chris Beach has said as much. You know that Callum Guy's form. You know he, he he didn't get he might although he was getting bookings, he didn't really get banned. Uh, he didn't really get many injuries, and oh. you know it was just sort of the victim of circumstance. You know. Yeah. There was there was the odd game where guy looked to be starting to tire a little bit where, you know, you could maybe have rotate. I, I think one of the problems we've had in that last few games is we didn't rotate quite enough. Yeah. Mm. I'm not I'm not on about mass rotation. I'm just on about like maybe for one game, bringing Furman in for guy. You know, giving guy a game off. You know, he's so rigidly stuck with that midfield free. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, they've done well for the season, but there was times that you thought to yourself. They are tiring a bit here. We do need to maybe freshen yeah. up a bit, but he didn't. And yeah. that's the way it is, isn't it? Um, yeah. Kedwin Scott, then, let's quickly talk about this one. Um, I think he's just been a bit unlucky with the lack of reserve games, hasn't he? I think that would have given him a chance to just show what he could do. We couldn't even arrange bounce games during the week, could we? Yeah. So that's I, one I, of those I, ones. I, I think we're taking the piss a little bit by telling him he can come and train in the summer. If, if, if I want him to come and train, give him another deal for six months. Mm. I mean, it's a fair point. They're giving Leslie a for six months to yeah. himself, so. you know it won't be on massive money yeah I do wonder if it's one of those ones we just want him to come back and if he comes back it's almost one if it's like a test it's like okay if you want to come back and train with the summer you've got a chance to earn a deal if he comes back thinking right I'm going to come back to something prove them wrong comes back and he's absolutely his fitness levels are incredible and he's flying and he's scoring goals they might go alright I think he's he's got the hunger here and I'm, I'm, deal, I think we should also dispel the notion. I've seen a few people saying online and that that, oh, maybe he didn't train well. It was a big step up. He'd been training full time at Newcastle United for four weeks before he came yeah, here. That's true. So that's true. Is, I, I don't think there's been any problem with his training. I think I think it's just the lack of match sharpness and yeah, being able yeah, to come yeah. in for reserve games. Mm-hmm. And I think Beach pretty much hinted at that, wasn't it? That's one of the issues that he just similar with the five first year pros. They've just not been able to, yeah. to get themselves that level, and we can't. The problem is he's probably looking for thinking, I do need to sign players. And if I sign Scott, then that's another space taken up and I potentially can't get an experienced player in there who's going to really do something for us. So it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, could it come back to haunt us, Dan, like uh, your old favourite as well, Lawrence Shankland? We'll see. <laughs> I mean, if he doesn't come to us, you would think if uh, Hartlepool came up or wanted to have a good go in the conference, he could certainly do a job for someone like that. Yeah, mm. absolutely. I think there's a good chance of that. Um, that's it then, really, lads. I think I think it's fair to say that we're sort of a little bit on the fence with that. We're not massively disappointed, but we're sort of thinking could maybe have been a couple more. I think I think I think the on. general reaction I've seen online today has been meh. I think mm. I've seen a lot of people quite positive about that, and they're saying, "Oh, it's great, we kept it all together." My feeling is. There's a risk there that you're a little bit stale and if we don't start next season well, the people will be like, oh, well, it's just a bit of a hangover from second half of last season with the things. Yeah, that, no, that's my worry. That, that won't wash for me yeah, next we've season. Got to, we've, the standards have got to be lifted and next season we've got to be looking for top seven. Yeah, we really definitely. have to be. Right, well, that's a bit longer than I thought it was going to be that first half. <laughs> but, uh, but there you go. So uh, we'll take a little break now and we'll be back and we'll, we'll talk about our little end of season awards uh, back in just a second. Hi, this is George Tanner. You are listening to the Brunton Bugle. 
And we're back for part two. Um, let's move on to the awards then, lads. Um, Player of the Year, what we're going to do with this, we're going to open this up to our listeners. So this is the one we're going to give you a chance to choose. Um, yeah, but based on what... <laughs> What what we've seen from elsewhere, there's probably a, a very strong contender to win that award, I think yeah. it's fair to say. Um, someone who's been sweeping the awards uh, everywhere else. Um, but what we'll do is we'll be setting that up early next week and uh, we'll, we'll get you to vote on that one. And then on next week's show, we'll, we'll go through who the winner is for that. Um, so what we're going to do, we're going to go through a set of awards. We're going to pick ourselves between each other. Um, we're going to basically discuss and see what we think is right, and then we'll decide it ourselves. Um, so the first one up is the Young Player of the Year award. So what we've done with this one, anyone who was 22 or under at the start of the season is eligible for this. Now, I've got the list here, lads, and this is based on basically players who've played a, an okay amount of games. So Josh Dixon isn't including this and Lou Bell because they only played, what, two games each, I think. So the players I've got listed who were 22 and under at the start of the season are George Tanner, Josh Coyote, Jack Armour, John Mellish, Danny Devine, and Taylor Charters. It's interesting names there. You don't really think of mm. John Mellish because he's such a big lad. You forget he still is quite young, don't you? So, I mean, going through those, Mike, first up, any of you you pick out in particular? I mean, I think Tanner maybe loses out because he had that spell out um, with injury, um, maybe. Um, but for me, I think it's going to be between Big John and uh, Jack Armour, to be honest. Hmm. Matt, uh, Dan, any thoughts? Uh, I'm going with GT2 because I think the lad's a class act. Uh, obviously, he was unlucky with his injury, but he's he's got he's got a lovely knack of coming into the box late to score his goals. If you if you look at all three of his goals in the league, they're very similar. And I'm giving him this ahead of the player I'm going to give for most improved. So they're, they're both getting an award. I think we, I think we can mm. guess it. The most improved will probably be there. Um, although maybe you'll surprise me. Yeah. Um, you never know. You never know. But yeah, it, it's a good point with Tanner. He, he, he looks a goal threat when he actually gets into those positions. It's very Darren Edmonds esque almost, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I, I know. I think we mentioned it last time. It goes back to when he said on our interview with him is, uh, you know, his, his time at Man United where they're playing all different positions to uh, get used to the pitch. It obviously stems from that. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, if I was looking at it, I mean, to be fair, as much as he struggled a little bit towards the end of the season, Josh Coyote, again, you forget, he's only 21. <laughs> and he's now played two and a half, well, one and a half seasons with us. He's got himself his, his nine, well, eight or nine goals. Um, he's been playing out wide for most of the season as well, but bear in mind, he really is a target man. He's done okay, so he is worth a mention. He's not going to be the one I'll put, I would put forward. I think I'd agree with you, Dan. I think Josh Tanner's had a, a, a great first season, you know, first full season playing. Um, honourable mention has to be there for Jack Armour because I think, like I said, I think he's had a, a brilliant first season in the Football League, done really well. Um, with John Millish, we'll maybe go on to him on some other awards later. Uh, Danny Devine and Telechart has not really played enough, but, you know, fair play. They've both looked comfortable when they've come in, really, done really well. I'm going to go with GT as well. So I think as both me and... Dan have gone with George Tanner and Mike hasn't. I think yes. George Tanner then is our young player of the year. So uh, well done to George. Um, let me just uh, get me get me a little thing there for that. Well done, George. Well done. There you go. That's our first winning little sound effect for him there. That, he's not going to get a trophy. That's all he's getting. So you know, <laughs> he gets our reward. Um, if he wants to come and meet us at Twentyman's in Allenby, we'll buy him an ice cream. It's got to be in person though. That's the only way it's happening, isn't it? So uh, there you go. 
most improved player. So obviously this is just the player who basically his levels have improved so much, whether it's over the season or from last season. Dan, I don't know if you want to go first on this one. Well, there's two standout candidates. Uh, Big John in midfield. And I'm going, but I'm going to ignore him. Not, not in a bad way, obviously. And I'm going to go for Jack Armour. Because when he made a couple of appearances early in the season, he looked very, very raw. Mm. He looked fresh out of, you know, you've set up and that. Compare that player to the player who finished the season and the improvement is incredible. So yeah. on that basis, it's Jack Armour for me. Mm-hmm. And that's that's no disrespect to Mellish. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mike, go on, you pick yours. Yeah, well, I was torn between the same two players as well. And I, in the end, leaned towards Armour because, to be honest, we didn't see enough of Mellish last season to deem... How much he's actually improved this season? But then we that's, didn't. A, that's a fair comment. But then mm. we did. We didn't see Armour last season, did we? Really? And you think? No, but the I mean, way, over the course of the season, yeah. But the way Mellish started the season, you'd argue he looked as raw as as Armour did in some of those games. Well, I think it's fair to say Jack Armour's going to win it. I, I I would have picked Mellish personally. I think that the way he's improved, and it's not just the fact that he's getting his goals and he, he, he's a threat there. I think technically he's getting better as well. He's still not quite there. He's still still bits to learn, but. His effort as well, he can't can't be knocked. I know that's different mm. in terms of the most improved. But I would have gone for Jeb Mellish. But I'm outvoted on that one. Fair, fair play. Jack mm. Armour, you are our most improved player of the year. <laughs> well done, Jack. Well done. There you go. Gonna have to play that bloody nine times now, aren't I? Here you go. <laughs> um Goal of the season. So um the club did their little shortlist video. I think we we more or less choose that one. Um from there. Uh, and we all agreed, lads, it's uh, Zanzala's first goal against Bradford. Well done. That's what I was saying. Well done. That's our goal. It's not really our goal of the season. Not a chance in hell. Be- beautiful photo from behind the goal of it, though. It's, it's one of the best images I've seen this season, I think. Um, John Mellish has won it for his goal against Newport on the official club one. His I first th- goal against Newport. I think it was his first goal against Newport, wasn't it? Yeah, of course. I actually yeah. think his second goal was equally as good. I, I thought that as well. Foot. Yeah. I do think it's fair to say um, the the extended Mellish family have been very busy <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. I think and friends and family possibly because personally, it's good good a goal as it was. I think his goal against Sunderland was better actually. They mm. hammered in from the edge of the box. What um, goal? What goal against Sunderland? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um, yeah, let's pretend that one didn't happen then. It, the imaginary goal that happened against Sunderland. Anyway, um, Mike, what would you pick out of your favourite goal of the season? It, for me, it has to be Patrick against Crawley, doesn't it? That's yeah. just, you know, absolute rocket. Yeah, wonderful. Eh? Not the best defending on it, I think it's fair to say, though. Um, mm. Yeah, um, Dan, what would you go for? I'm going with Joe Riley's against Stevenage. Oh. I thought I thought it was a brilliant little goal, especially where the assist, we um, we said at the time, the assist should go to Chris Beach. Because mm. he, he shouted him to go. You could hear him, couldn't you? Now he's right in front of us and we could yeah. hear him loud and clear. I, know, I, I, th- I think it was just sort of, you know, that that was sort of the crowning moment for Riley, you know, his first full proper season after yeah. bad, bad injury, you know, to get a goal icing on the cake. So I'm going with Joe Riley for that. Interesting, that one. Well, see, I was stuck on this one because I, I really like Patrick's goal against Mansfield just because of the, the two elements of it, or three elements of it. First, you've got Armour cutting in, playing right back, it should be said as well. 
another bit of evidence for you two, I guess, in terms of the most improved player. Um, cutting in, playing a brilliant ball to pick up Patrick in space. Patrick's first touch is absolutely exquisite for this. And then to touch and volley, no real sort of break in it, break of his stride and put in the bottom corner. That was a brilliant goal. Um, but, and again, Alessandra's goal against Salford is a brilliant strike as well, mm. cutting in from the, from the right. I'm going to go with Mike on this one, though. I'm going to go with Patrick's goal against Crawley. Uh, for me, that was the the uh, our goal of the season. So there you go, um, Amari. We're sharing them out the awards here. We're, we're very generous on this pod. So, Amari, Patrick, you are our goal of the season for your goal against Crawley. There we go. Um, right. We're going to just a couple of opposition ones now. So the best opposition player of the season. Um, Mike, you go first in this one. For me, it's it's going to be Wes Houlihan for Cambridge, uh, particularly when we played them at Brunton Park. He was just head and shoulders above everyone else. He reminded me quite a bit of Michael Bridges when he was here, just the way that he just didn't look like he belonged at this level in the slightest. He strolled through the game, didn't he, really? The way he was playing, he was just, you know, he was like a Rolls Royce. Dan, who would you go for? I think it's hard to disagree, you know. Uh, class, class tells in uh, our division, as as we just said, you know, with Bridges. <sighs> yeah, it's got to be Hulahan. I mean, I, I will go for Hulahan as well. To be fair, but I, what, what I'd say is, I, I thought James Vaughan when he played against us in both games. Actually, he's an absolute piece of work. But what a good player he is for for Tranmere in terms of striker yeah. as well. And 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 to be fair, I'd say the lad Mendes Gomez for. Morecambe really impressed me as well. Thought he looks a really good player. Um, trying to pick out a couple more that I think were, were pretty good, but yeah. Shamal George for Colchester <laughs> well, was well, fantastic. He had a brilliant game. And, you know, <laughs> no, that's what I mean. Yeah. Proved us wrong, didn't he? In fair play, but but yeah, Wes Hulan's the obvious one there. So well yeah. done, Wes. The player that we we should have signed in about two thousand and four, but didn't. But there you go. Wes Hulan is the best opposition player this season. <laughs> People are going to get really sick of that sound effect, aren't they? Yeah, I am already. <laughs> I might stop it now then, but there you go. Now, uh, next one up, this is one of my favourites. The worst opposition player of the season. I'm going to go first this one because I've got to get this one out. He's, he's in one of you know, a lot of people's League Two teams of the season. But against us, I mean, the second game, he wasn't as bad, but he didn't look that great. But the first game against us, Ricardo Santos for Bolton was absolute tripe. Alex Baptiste alongside him wasn't much better either, but... He was getting turns inside out. He was getting caught on the ball all the time. It was comical. It was basic. This award is named. We we named it the Jude Sterling Award because everyone remember how bad Jude Sterling was, wasn't he? Against us for was it for MK Dons back in the day? I think it was in about two thousand and eight, nine, something like that. I think it was. And he had a bad it was, game. It was around the time when Delhi Ali was there, wasn't it? Yeah, because oh, he was Governor Governor Water Scarborough when we beat yeah, five yeah. I think it was. And yeah, him and I think Dan Harding's the other example who got t- turned inside out by. Um, ben Marshall that day as well. He was awful that time. But but yeah, for me, Ricardo Santos, I mean, fair play. He's, he's clearly a very good player. I mean, he must have just had one particularly bad off day against us. But my God, was he awful that day. Uh, Dan, I don't know what you think of this one. I'm going for... Remember when we played Southend at home? Yes. And we won 2-0. I'm yeah. going for Alan McCormack. Interesting, because I thought he... Because I... I, I and it's I don't I don't blame him for it, but I think he just he was too good that he was bad. If it makes sense, yeah. The team that Southend put out were were shocking. 
Yeah. And we 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 eased off to be honest. We should yeah. have but five or six past them. And yeah. I think McCormack got subbed on the hour, and it was just it wasn't through any fault of his own. But I think those around him dragged him down that day, and I actually felt sorry for him because. Alan McCormack is a good player. You know, he's. Well, I, th- I think he only just signed for them, I don't think that week. Yeah, and I think yeah. He came in but with no training, basically. And he, di- he didn't play for two months afterwards. No, I think it was clear that his fitness levels weren't yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, on that basis, I'm going for McCormack. Fair enough. Mike, what are you going to go for? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you, Lee, and say Ricardo <laughs> Santos, because he was just, like. Uh, I mean, it, I think it was more so because of, like, sort of how hyped up he was. Like, the Bolton fans, like, absolutely loving to bits. And yeah. we saw him, and we were just kind of like, really? Like, but, <laughs> y- y- you know, it's. I think the higher they hype him up, the more, the further they have to fall, don't they? But, yeah, it's got, it's got to be him for me. Well, there you go. Ricardo Santos, you are our worst opposition player of the season. <laughs> right. Um,. <laughs> Best opposition team performance. So that's basically the best opposition team overall against us for this season. Um, just thinking of the games we've played and the best team play against us. I've got to go with Cambridge for the home game. I just thought they'd... They, we improved second half and we were maybe a little bit unlucky to lose it late on, but they just looked collectively such a good team and they Hulahan's the exceptional play that took them to the next level. But other than that, they had a really good solid base to work with and they had two really hard-working Decent strikers in Ironside and Mullen. Cambridge United at home for me. Best best opposition uh, team slash performance. Uh, Dan, what's your thoughts on this? Uh, I think it's hard to disagree. You could also yeah. chuck in Cambridge away first game of the season. Yeah. They, they, they put a marker down that day, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think honourable mentions. I think Tranmere have impressed against us. Yes, yes, to be fair. Both home and away. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a bit of a strange one because they dropped off terribly, but Forest Green looked quite neat against us. For the for the, mm. the game, particularly the, the game Brunton Park, mm. that was sort of one of those sort of wake up calls for us like, oh, maybe we aren't quite back at the level we were because we beat Exeter just before that, just narrowly, didn't we? But Forest Green just looked at cut above and they've obviously dropped off, but then they managed to get themselves back in the yeah. playoffs, haven't they? So yeah. there you go. But no, I, I, I think we can't, I think we've got to agree, Cambridge. Mike, are you going to complete the full set? Well, I, I was going to say Cambridge, to be fair, but I think you have to give a notable mention. I think Morecambe at their place absolutely yeah, tore nice. us to shreds, but I think our performance been so terrible. Like, against Cambridge, I feel like we were trying to play yeah. a bit of football and trying to do good stuff, but we just couldn't because they were just so much better than us. Yeah, that that was the key thing. We actually we tried against Cambridge. We were just second best, whereas... Against Morecambe, I mean, let's not even talk about that indirect free mm. kick in the area. For, for <laughs> that, I mean, that that was embarrassing, I think it's fair to say. So, so yeah, we're all in agreement. Cambridge United over either game, really. And like I said, honourable mentions to Forest Green and Tranmere. Both, you know, done really well uh, when they play against us. So there you go, Cambridge United. Worst opposition team slash performance. I mean, it's an interesting one, this one, because I probably would have gone for Stevenage before Christmas. And the way they turned it around after that was quite incredible. So... It, it's it, for me. It's either them or Crawley at home, and I'm I'm probably going to go with with Stevenage because I mean Crawley just looked like they were on the beach basically, whereas Stevenage was sort of trying to battle for their lives and they just looked absolute crap basically. So Stevenage before Christmas, fair play the way they turned it around, but in the game we saw against them, they were the worst team for me. Mike, who are you going for? I, I was going to say Crawley at home, to be honest. I think, uh, you know, the, the run that we were on before that game as well and for them to just 
be so awful against an awful Carlisle team, to be honest. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to say them. We should have scored seven or eight that night, to be fair. Than they, mm. uh, Dan, what are you going to go for? I'm, I'm going to go for the aforementioned South End team mm. that came up at the start of the season. It, I, I know it was a bit of victim of circumstance and that, but they were truly dreadful. Yeah. Uh, Agree with Crawley. Crawley were terrible. Uh, Scunthorpe up here were yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing at all. And I know, I know, I tipped them to struggle. They ended up twenty second. I think they're absolutely. They should be favourites for relegation next season. Yeah, I mean, they've had they've had quite a clear out of their players. I think it's fair massive. Well. I mean, we're, we're yeah. going to go more into depth on the full retained lists on next week's episode yeah, for the other the teams. Who might want to pick off, but the, uh, but yeah, but yeah. Well. Difficult that one, isn't it? Because we've gone for three different ones. Although you sort of mentioned Crawley as well, so let's just give it to Crawley just for being an absolute yeah. disgrace against a, a Carlisle team that was not playing at his best in that period. So there you go. So Crawley Town, you're the worst opposition team uh, this season. Um, best moment. We've got two more left. So best moment um, for me, it, it was that that game against Salford getting back. The, the Southend game was that one-off, wasn't it? And you thought, this is exciting. It's a test game. And then we obviously were deflated like a few days later by the fact that we weren't going to be allowed to come back for a while. But those test games over Christmas, that Salford game, I, I can't remember if I drove up or got the train up, one of the two, but coming up to it and just going to the game, walking into Britain Park, floodlights on, being with fans, being able to have a chat with people. It was just such a good feeling. And the team was playing well at the time as well. When that goal went in from Alessandro, that moment, that, that feeling of like, yes, we are potentially going to go up this season. Obviously, we were let down after Christmas and the way things went. But for me, that's the best moment. Dan, what's yours? Uh, yeah, that, that, that game. But I'm, I'm going to go with Reese Bennett's goal because it put, it put the, the space into it. And, you know, they, they, they just didn't know what to do. No, they didn't. And when you look at the players I had on the pitch, you know, Henderson, I know he was only on for... 25 minutes or something likes of Luke Burgess Jason Law Tom Clark was Coots with them then or did he say in January I can't remember uh, he wasn't it was January, in, I've, it? I've got the, the team up here no he didn't play in that game yeah but yeah. Uh, no just well, just the whole the whole Salford game for me yeah the whole being back again for the second time the lights and the performance well that's obviously going to win it but obviously Mike it's different for you because you haven't been able to get to any games this season yeah. in circumstance yeah, so I mean, for me, you know, from my sofa after say uh, Walsall away, going top of the league was very, very good. But like, I feel like I wish, like I was at the Leighton Orient away game. You know, like last away game of the season, last minute winner. You know, it would have been a, a cracking game to go to. So I'm just gonna, I'm going to let you two fight this out because yeah. that's neither of your answers. Well, so. you it's going to be the Salford game, anyway. That's yeah. that's our. Our best moment, basically, for the fact that we were able to get back to the game. But yeah, I'm interested to mention letting Orin there, Mike. Would, would that have included being stuck at Nuneaton for two hours <laughs> and a you know, train while they're flooding at Crew like last yeah. time? Yeah, that wasn't much oh, fun, God. was it? Um, and finally, in the awards, uh, game we glad we didn't have to go to oh, Walsall. Like, I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna discount that one because it's end of season. It's good to catch up people for the last time. Crawley, the summer and stuff. <laughs> the, the, the Crawley game, which one? Or the what? The Crawley game was good. No, just the fact they were so terrible. Oh, that'd be enjoyable, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah. We probably would have scored more with the fans and everything urging us on. The Port Vale game wasn't a classic, was it? For me, even though we got a late, late equaliser, the Grimsby games got a fact. Yeah, that's... Probably the late and one because we were two teams fighting the playoffs and it was a dreadful game and then 
to make such a mistake later on. That that's one of the ones that would have been. That's the point would have been really deflating. Thinking we've absolutely cocked this up now, haven't we? Really, that that's what the feeling would have been at that point. I think so. That would have been for me. You can go for the Walsall game, then you've gone for it. That, that's fine. So that's your choice, Mike. <laughs> what what are you going to go for? Right. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm, I want to go for the Port Vale game. Sorry. Oh, the Port Vale game. Okay, we'll go. For yeah, Port Vale. Vale. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm I'm glad that I didn't pay to see that Colchester away game that was covered in fog. Because oh, that, that could, can you imagine going all the way down there and paying like twenty quid for a ticket and you can't even see the match? Yeah, we'll um, see would they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that was awful. Um, and then, um, wow, which the Harrogate Town game was also awful. Yeah. But I feel it wouldn't have been as bad not been able to hear that commentary team. Um, <laughs> That's true. So. <laughs> Yeah. Talk about the number uh, 10 bus going down the street. Like yeah. um, but yeah, do you know what? I, th- I think I think I'll think i say Colchester because I just think it'd be awful getting all the way down there and just, yeah, what happened next? I wonder if the Morecambe game might be up there as well, actually, when I'm not more I think about it because, because one, we were, we were awful and, you know, it's the first time we've lost out Morecambe, I think, isn't it? It's in, in, the le- in league fixtures, at least, anyway. And also, if we'd gone to the game... We wouldn't have been able to hear the wonderful commentary team from Morecambe talking about uh, <laughs> this their, what what were people having for their tea that day. I mean, my, like I said, I've said this before. My, my partner Megan was listening at the same time. She normally she buggers off upstairs when the games. I was like, I'm not watching this crap. And for once, she was in gross. Like, what are they going to talk about next? Like, when when the, when the guy meowed as well to, for the cat. That that's probably my highlight of the season. Actually, that's probably yeah. my be- that probably should be the best moment. The, the Morecambe <laughs> commentator meowing halfway through the game. So there you go. Well, that's our awards then, then, guys. Um, we'll put some tweets up with those uh, over the weekend so, so the lads who are involved and people who are involved uh, get to know it. Um, yeah, so let's move on to the X-Files section. It's, it's a busy one, so we'll, we'll try and fly through it a little bit, but uh, we'll fit it all in. Dan, do you want to take away? Because this is usually your section, isn't it? So. Right, uh, I'll get my... Uh my vidi printer voice ready uh goal scorers uh i won't say teams because apart from a couple callum o'hare angelo belanta mark ellis special mention because he's got five and 15 really since he, he went uh cole stockton again has he got some like eight in ten or something he's, last he's got eight. yeah he's got a really good really good end of the season yeah. uh hallam hope got one uh, Paddy Madden, uh, James Tavernier, and then a couple of more slightly random ones. Cameron Salkeld scored for Morton in their playoff game, mm. and Macaulay Gillespie scored for Brisbane Raw in the Aussie League. Yeah, he's been their player of the season, hasn't he? And he looks yeah, like he's, he's, you mentioned the other week, he's probably yeah, in the league, yeah. isn't he? So, there you go. Uh, talking about players who are promoted, relegated playoffs. Mm. Uh, promoted, we've got Tim Krull at Norwich. Regan Slater at Hull, Jack mm. Iredale at Cambridge, and Bolton. We've got Sean Miller, Brandon Comley, Geffen Jones, and Arthur Ganawa. Mm. Uh, playoff appearances uh, Jerry Yates and Gary Medine will probably feature for Blackpool. Charlie Wyke for Sunderland, or I believe he's injured at the moment and is mm. struggling to be fit. And Morecambe, we've got Cole Stockton and John O'Sullivan. O'Sullivan's and out injured though, isn't he, to the end of the I'm season? I'm disgusted that you've missed Nathaniel Knight Percival. I do apologise. I knew there was <laughs> things. I've been keeping this up to date all week. And I, I thought to myself, I'm going to miss one here and Danny's yeah. definitely going to pick up on it. <laughs> so it shows you're sharp at the very least. Former players who've been relegated, uh, Connor Townsend at West Brom and Oliver Norwood at Sheffield United in the Premier League. Uh, Kieran Westwood with Sheffield in the Championship. 
And then from Division 1 coming back down to Division 2, Hallam Hope with Swindon and Max Aimer with Bristol Rovers. Just quick mention there for Kieran Westwood. He, he had a bit of a clanger, didn't he, in that uh, Sheffield mm. Wednesday derby game. So he looked absolutely devastated there in the match. And I think that's his last appearance, I think, isn't it, for Sheffield yeah. Wednesday? I think he's out of contract at the end of the season. So. Uh, the random other section, Josh Gillies signed for Blythe Spartans. Literally that, just after we bloody recorded. Yeah. That, <laughs> so uh, and we mentioned all the other North East players. Yeah. Uh, Zigor Arenalde has left his assistant manager role at Valencia. We missed this at the start of the season, completely, yeah, didn't we, yeah. he'd gone there. Because he was obviously assistant to uh, Thingy from Watford who went there. Uh, Richard Keogh has got a 2.3 million payout from Derby for a breach of contract following the uh, incident that we I won't think, really uh, say fair talk play about. To him on that one, to be fair, I think he's he's, yeah. he's well within his rights on that one. Uh, Kyle Dempsey was named Gillingham's Player of the Year. Yeah, and then one that got a bit of talk through the week, Stephen Presley, has been appointed as a player development role at Brentford. Yeah, well, he's still there, isn't he, Aaron Presley? Yes, yes. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, we've had. I was. I've been uh, keeping an eye on the retained lists at the clubs, yeah. and I think uh, the last count at about five o'clock. I think there was about twenty-five of the forty-eight have released so far. Mm. Players leaving Port Vale are having a call. <laughs> Uh, Harry McCurdy, Sean Brisley, Mark Cullen, and Luke Joyce will all be leaving. Joyce is getting mentioned a lot by some of our fans saying he wouldn't be a bad. It's a step back, that for me. If you bring yeah, him back, yeah. really now it is. Yeah, I don't think it, I think he's playing most of his career in League Two and never been promoted. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. He, don't get us wrong; he's a solid player. Yeah, but are you wanting to be top of the league? Maybe not now with him. Is he basically just going to fill in the role that Dean Furman was doing? We can't. Yeah, we need a player who's going to actually impact on games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andy Cook at Mansfield, Tom Parks at Exeter, Josh Morris at Fleetwood. Uh, Alex Gilead and Olafella Olamola at Scunthorpe. Uh, Hallam Hope got relegated Bloody then released for Hallam Hope, isn't it? at Swindon. <laughs> and uh, Jack Bonham at Gillingham. But we must add that uh, Gilead at Scunthorpe and bon- Bonham at Gillingham were offered new deals but have yes. turned them down. Yes, and that's, a fair point. that's it. We When we're on next week, we will do more Carlisle players that have been released at clubs and we'll we'll have a more in-depth look at the retained list uh possible signings and whatnot yeah well what we're going to do because obviously if those players all did sign the new deals we're not going to be making a huge amount of signs in summer so we're going to be very selective very sort of, yeah well, mm. we're going to be very picky in who we, we say we should be looking at signing now of those lists i know fans absolutely love us to sign former players don't they if there's one <laughs> player in that list i'd say stands out to me i'd say He's worth worth a look, maybe. Andy Cook would be the one that stands out for me. Mm. The obvious one. He scored goals at every level. He, he's a big, strong, physical striker. It wouldn't be a surprise if he went back to Bradford permanently. You'd maybe imagine that, although they've just got rid of the, the team manager, haven't they? So true, true. It sounded like him. his wages were a bit mental at Mansfield, though, didn't it? I'm not sure think... they're as big as I think people make out, but I think they were big. I mean, Mansfield have got a bit of repeat. They let Maynard go as well, they? so they, mm. they're clearly, again... We'll see next week, but a lot of clubs are clearing the decks right now, aren't they? Yeah. They have to get themselves ready for, for next season. I think you're going to find a lot of players are going to be a bit surprised at the contract offers that are, are being made, I think, by clubs. But it's one of them as well. We might even be best buying our time a little bit in the window because there might be players who, frankly, wouldn't want to talk to us now, but come a week before the start of the season, they'll be well within our price range, just desperate to find a club. Yeah, Absolutely. 
Right, that's it, lads. It's a long one, that wasn't it? But uh, considering we didn't really talk much about the match, we've covered a fair bit, <laughs> yeah. I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah, so um, plans for this week, obviously, we're going to do an episode next week looking at the retain list in a bit more detail. And what, what we're going to do is we're going to do like a player review bit for half the episode, aren't we? So we're going we're gonna to go through the whole squad of the players who've played a decent number of appearances. So like your Birches and your Barnes and Lightfoot and that, we're not going to review them because it's not fair to review them, really, because they've not played. Even a Dixon, really, we can't really review him based on two games. So they're the ones we'll, we'll be putting to one side almost. And we're going to go for each play and give them marks out of 10 or something like that. I mean, discuss, you know, how the, how the squad's done over the season. Um, but also we'll go through the releases. I mean, that's the plan, isn't it, Dan? I think we're looking at it. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll sort of cherry pick the... Uh who we think are the best players available that uh, could interest us. Hopefully we might have a bit of contract news in the uh, in due course so we can sort of adjust as we plan for that episode. Absolutely. And what we'll do as well is we'll, we'll have a... Um, like I said, we'll, we'll do a little bit of round-up of what other things that are happening in League 2 as well, maybe. look at Because there's been a few managerial changes over the last week we haven't really had time to cover today, have we? So uh, we can go through them. So yeah, if you've got any comments or any feedback or anything you'd like to suggest we discuss, please send them in via Twitter to at Bugle or by email to bruntonbugle at gmail.com. If you haven't already, please remember you can subscribe to the podcast via all good podcast apps, including Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And it also gives a review as well if you have the chance on any of those apps as well. And if, and if you've got a podcast app you, you like to use and you search for us and we're not there, let us know because there's ways we can ask to get it added on there as well. Um... Yeah, world mapper listeners, we've got a new country, guys. It's Jamaica. Yes, it's uh, Jamal Campbell Rice's family in the building. Indeed, they are. Indeed, they are. So there you go. That that's the new country. We're going to do an episode in in June. I mean, one of the specials. We'll go through that because we think me, you, me, and you. One Dad, of the we'll specials. Get... Yes, one of the specials. Jamaica gonna... special. No. no, forget it. Um, but yeah, so I think what we're going to do is we're going to do a special episode where we basically look at countries around the world where Cal United players have come from, and what we'll do is we'll tie that a little bit into there as well, where we done and discuss that kind of stuff. The so, worldwide appeal of Cal United Football Club. Hey, I mean, think of all the Jamaicans we've had down the years. I mean, there's only two, isn't there? Really, Cleveland Taylor, Jamal Camarice, and actually, there's a third, isn't there? Famously, didn't actually play the first legend. Game. The legend. The legend that was Christopher Diaz. <laughs> yeah. The county store window <laughs> and a paving stone. Yeah. The legend. Yes. Did we not have Shaka Hislop's brother, though? Kona Hislop's Trinidad and Tobago, isn't he, I think? Because uh, Shaka Hislop was Jamaica, wasn't he? No, he's Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, was he? Okay. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Right, guys, thanks for joining me. Uh, we'll be back some point next week. We're not sure exactly when. We'll let, we'll let you know for all the usual channels, but... Uh, Cheers, everyone, and uh, up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.